Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome back to the Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is June 26, 2017, and this is episode 207. My name is Jake English. And I am Scott Magnus. And on today's show, we will and on today's show, we will tell you what you may have missed if you were paying attention to that other thing. We'll also look to the stars to determine how the ley lines intersect for the Baltimore Orioles. And we'll do that right after we lubricate the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Scott Magnus, what are you drinking? Jake, I'm drinking a uh, tequila on the rocks with a uh, touch of triple sec and a touch of Grand Marnier. So kind of a kind of a margarita, but without, I guess, the, uh, the sweet sweetness of a margarita. I watched you make it. It looked intense. I was, I was impressed, sir. I am drinking a National Bohemian beer. Oh, boy. What a beer. But I'd like to talk about an experience I had this week in the This Week uh, uh, Drink of the Week territory. I drank a Moostrul this week. Beg your pardon? Uh, Moostrul. I drank Moostrul. Okay. Uh, my brother brought home some Moostrul from his travels in Montana. Uh, brown ale. It was okay. Apparently, it can't be sold on this side of the Mississippi because of reasons and stuff. Gotcha. So, so every, it's a smoking the bandit kind of thing. Basically. Every okay. time my brother goes over there, he he tries to smuggle it back. I finally got into the moose drool. And, you know, if, if you're out there and if you enjoy brown ales um, or actual moose drool, will you please tell me how this rates in the in the category, in out the there? genre of so moose drool? It's west of the Mississippi? Yes. I've had much probably better beer than moose drool. I've never even heard of moose drool before. I'm sure it's terrible. I'm just curious. And it was from your brother? Yes. Okay. Well, I think I've got the everything I need to hear from this. If it's from your brother and it's called moose drool, it's got to be terrible. But, I mean, I guess there was only one good thing that came out of it. We got to play this in the background. So, Jake. If people want to know what kind of moose drool you are drinking on a weekly basis, you can find us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E4025. And I'm at MAGN8606. Nothing like a little smoking the bandit to brighten the days up. Jake, you want to go ahead and uh, dabble into the medical wing? Hang on, this might be a this might be a two bow medical wing. Scott, it'll only tickle a little. Actually, I didn't think this week was terrible, except for the JJ Hardy situation. Well, let's talk about that. I think it's a I think it's a crack can situation. <laughs> One uh, second, let me uh, 
Let me take a good sip of my tequila before I get into this conversation. I I think this is going to be sad. And the reason is, is that J.J. Hardy's out four to six weeks after being hit on his right wrist by a pitch. He will not return until late July. And the reason that I am not looking forward to this conversation, Scott, is because I think this might just be for the Orioles what the doctor ordered. Here's the thing. I think the Orioles would love to have J.J. Hardy out there. I know Buck Showalter would prefer to have J.J. Hardy out there. Yeah, and I, but, I think that's the problem. But I think the thing is, you look at it and you're saying, I really don't notice a difference whatsoever without J.J. Hardy being out there. Well, let me ask you this, Scott. Yeah. How does J.J. Hardy look in a vest? As in, will his option now vest? Well, absolutely not. But doesn't maybe. Doesn't this injury give the Orioles a little latitude to sure. maybe not be forced into paying him $14 million. And don't you think that's probably the best thing for the team? Oh yeah. But I, I don't think that it was going to happen regardless. So I think that the Orioles would figure out any way to get around that. So. Yeah. But I feel like it's easier now to do that without a lot of hurt feelings. So this is basically your dog just broke his hip and now you can just be like, honey, it's going to cost way too much money to fix that dog. So we're going to just going to go ahead and put it down is what you're saying. It's just like, you're an awful human being. Have I ever told you that? Did you just watch Old Yeller lately? Is that what just happened here? No. I was actually just looking at my dog behind me, but... Oh, <laughs> oh. All right. Let's step away from that shadow. Um, let's talk about Zach Britton. Yeah. Britton was scheduled to pick, pitch on June 26th. Which hey, is, hey, that's, that's today. That's today. Uh, and again on the 29th for AA Bowie. Then he'll throw again in Frederick on June 30th. Scott... They are treating him as if he is not a Fabergé egg. Yeah. Um, he actually went out tonight, pitched for Bowie, um, gave up one run, but apparently it was a ball that got lost in the lights, so the outfielder basically lost it. Um, there was another hit. It uh, was an infield hit, um, but 18 pitches, 13 strikes, 94 to 96 miles per hour. Everything that I see from that is Zach Burton that I would come to expect. So I hate to say it, Jake, but it kind of does look like Zach Burton may be okay. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I hope you're right. The The thing that's interesting is that his first uh, game back, his velocity was like 91, 92. It's a little bit higher than that. I think we've got reports of 92 to 94. Okay. And, and my, my initial thought was, well, minor leaguers see that. So sure. if Zach Burton's in the minors and is not special, boy, boy, howdy, he better get special again by the time he gets to the right. majors. But there also has to be some rust and probably some confidence and health factor going yeah. on. The real question is, is Zach Britton back? And can Zach Britton continue to be special at the major league level, velocity-wise? But I ask you this. Yeah. Let's just say, for giggles, and it is okay if you giggle. Let's just say for giggles, Zach Britton comes back, and he is the Zach Britton of old. Sure. Isn't that like having a Porsche and no driver's license? Ooh, um, Why do you need a closer with the way the Orioles are playing right now? So I, I actually disagree with this, and we can get into this later in the show, but I, I think what we, we've seen what happens when the entire bullpen gets moved up a slot is the best way to describe it. And we saw that when he first went out. And I, I don't want to bring up the New York series, but the New York series was a, a paramount example of why it's bad to move up all your bullpen one slot. Don't say the New York series while looking in the mirror in the dark in the bathroom. It, it it's terrible. Three times and something. T- tell me something good here. Talk to me about Ryan Flaherty. Talk Flaherty to me. Um. So he took grounders this week, but didn't throw it all. 
Um, he had a lateral strain issue, and this is why he's basically been taking it easy. He's been doing extended spring training down Sarasota, and, and his emphasis is on returning sometime after the All-Star break. Do you miss him with Ruben Tejada and Paul Yanish? Do we miss Ryan Flaherty? I actually do. I, I would prefer a Ryan Flaherty than a Paul Yanish, personally. Here's the thing about Ryan Flaherty. Yeah. We're going to need him if any of the Orioles are going to hit in the playoffs. Now that is a, a, a sad, sad comment. Um, anything else going on in the medical wing? I thought overall um, Britain kind of coming back and starting to show signs of, you know, health. And then Darren O'Day coming off the DL this week I thought was an encouraging aspect. The Hardy thing is more of a sad from the emotional heart standpoint, but it's probably not that big of a deal from a it's not going to make the team any better or any worse. It's kind of a meh is yeah. the best way to describe it, which is – tough to say um and it probably hurts ryan wagner more than anybody it it doesn't hurt it doesn't hurt the wins and losses sorry ryan but it's true you know it it, it's funny you say that because no matter how poorly he plays fans have no lack of enthusiasm for his name you're absolutely right it's it's almost like um baltimore lives and dies with shtick it does indeed scotty is there any reason speaking of shtick that we cannot advance directly to 140 characters or fewer in this week on the twitters no there is not so we're going to go ahead and get started uh the first week goes into the i believe the answer is cthulhu uh and this is intent you're welcome uh and this tweet comes from orioles jesus at orioles jesus folks i'm not sure who to pray for when abato was on the hill i'm out on this one what you took the day off on sunday is that what happens <laughs> that's when Orioles Jesus is, is throwing his hands up and saying, I don't know, we, we're we in tough, tough areas. All right, the Are next, you saying that when a ball comes to the mound, it's crucifying? It's a crucifying? No. <laughs> uh, my, Mike Petrelio bails us out on this next tweet. He, of course, tweets at Mike underscore Petrelio. The O's rotation is just unreal right now. This is every bit of overperformance the last five years exploding at once yeah look they're not this bad just because they've not been as good as they've been doesn't mean that we have to pay for it right like that that check isn't due yet that's what happens and i think there's actually a lot of confusion on this i think i saw Derek arnold post about saying that doesn't make sense that you know kevin gossman or wade miley is doing poor this season because bud norris did well in previous seasons well no but it is the situation where if you as a team constantly overperform, it comes back to eventually things kind of balance out. I remember one of the conversations that we always had on this show was the FIP versus ERA discussion. And folks were always quick to point out that saying, well, the reason our ERA is so much lower than our FIP is because of our defense. And I was like, no, that, that's not really the only case here. Like it doesn't drop it that significantly. And lo and behold, it's kind of flopped right on its opposite stand, standing where our ERA is much worse than our FIP right now. Um, not to say that our FIP is really good. Um, but, yeah, this is the whole aspect of if you have a poor talent pool in a tier standpoint, um, and the Orioles certainly have over the five years, the Orioles have actually been better than their talent, um, and the Roosters are coming back to the nest. Um, and we'll see if they can get back to mm, – not terrible, but okay. Like basically, the, average. Hopefully, the karma debt collectors have yes. set 
have sent the muscle to go collect. I mean, man, I remember 2014, second half, they were one of the best rotations in all of Major League Baseball. Nothing about that made sense. I mean, I'm sorry, nothing about that made sense. And people pointed to Caleb Joseph, but again, it made no sense. So, all right, next week goes into, so you're saying there's a chance. And this comes from Camden Depot at Camden Depot. The last time the Orioles rotation was this bad was 1991 when 45-year-old Jim Palmer tried to come out of retirement and save them. Mm. All right. I can spin this. Okay. I've been listening to a lot of the radio this year. All right. I got, let me put my Jim Hunter hat on. All right. So Dave Johnson is going to come back and pitch for the Baltimore Orioles since Steve Johnson's not a good enough pitcher. I can spin this. And Duncan Hines are in sale for two for one dollar. Listen, 1991. Wasn't okay. that also the last season that we had a combined no-hitter? Uh, it is. So there you go. This is Camden Depot just said this is a no-hit staff waiting to happen. So Baldo Jimenez is going to throw a no-hitter. No. Baldo Jimenez, <laughs> Alec Asher, Vidal Nuno, and uh, let's just throw in Zach Bob Britton Lackey. at the end. <laughs> <laughs> we have a no-hit staff. You heard it here first. I want to go to a tweet from Ben Nicholson-Smith, who is uh, one of the beat guys for the Blue Jays. I think uh, CA Sportsnet, maybe? Hashtag Orioles starting pitchers have completed uh, 117 innings this month, allowing opposing runners to score 112 times. Um, yikes. That sounds bad. I mean, when you say it like that, it sounds bad. I know that it feels horrific, but that, that those are that's bad. All right, next week goes to uh, I guess we'll put this into the category that this is a positive, regardless if Manny signs a long term contract or not. It's a tweet from Connor Garcia at Connor underscore Garcia. Great quote here by Manny, um, and it's from um, an Orioles article. He says, "I'm a proud Oriole. I came up with this organization in Baltimore, a city I know well. So that's why I'm going to do what I can to help out the kids in the community here. Of course, Miami is my first home." I was born and raised there, and I will always be attached to Miami. One day, I envision doing something for the big, big for the communities in Florida that helped me as a kid. But my heart tells me to start here in Baltimore, and that's what I'm going to do. All right, that's exactly what I want to hear from a player, regardless of whether they hit free agency or not. That's yeah, that's exactly what I want to hear. As much as I'm, you know, skittish or scared about what's going to happen in the two years, reading quotes like that make me think. All right at least you kind of have a perspective about this whole business, which is baseball. Also, even if you don't believe that he's got any chance of staying here and I'm, I'm beginning to get there, he said all the right things. Yeah. You know, he, he's absolutely, you know, uh, during fan fest, it was all, this is the only organization I've ever known. I'm an Oriole. This is my organization. Sure. He's saying the right thing. Right. And this is one of them. All right. Uh, the, look, this next tweet is just, I'm going to put this in the category of Orioles. Don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. This is Baltimore Orange category. <laughs> Baltimore Orange territory. This tweet comes to us from the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, who tweets, of course, at real Donald Trump. The new Rasmussen poll, one of the most accurate in the 2016 election, just out with a Trump 50% approval rating. That's higher than O's numbers. Mm. That's higher than O's numbers. Orioles don't have a lower approval rating than the president. Don't do this to me. By the way, the Rasmussen poll is pretty much as accurate as uh, Steve Molesky is in predicting what the Orioles are going to do on a yearly basis. But I'm pretty sure he was talking about the Orioles, too. I'm I'm pretty sure that's the way it went down. All right. Well, with that, um, it was... 
it was a tough week in Birdland for a lot of people. There was a lot of overreactions, and that certainly has been the case for the past few weeks. I think it's time for us to maybe break down a, a, a few things you may have missed while your heads were in the sand. Soros came off of a, a Sunday win, um, taking a series from the Tampa Bay Rays. And uh, most of Berlin woke up this morning, looked at the standings and said, hey, the Orioles are one game below 500, but they're only two and a half games back from the wild card spot and four games back from the division. And uh, earlier last week, desperation and misery had um, basically set in and in high regard the conversation all around Birdland was about the topic of the streak. And of course, we're not talking about 2131. We, but it could have gotten there. We could have gotten there. But we were talking, of course, about um, the five plus runs um, that everybody in their mother wanted to talk about last week. Um, and it was miserable in all incarnations due to the focus of the streak. Everyone and everyone wanted to talk about it. And while it was a cute one-liner at the beginning of the week, it took on a new life with folks just wanting to see history over good baseball. It was um, the perfect example of the Dark Ages where people just wanted to see something that was interesting to them rather than for them to see good baseball being played on a day-in and day-out basis. All right, I'm going to quibble just briefly with with two things. You quibble? Yeah. Okay. First, I'm going to challenge your assertion that people overreacted. Okay. I think at this point, after two months of bad baseball, people are just reacting. That's that's fair. I, I still think it's a slight overreaction, and maybe we'll get to that at the end of this segment. I also think that the this the streak is dumb. I agree. It's an aberration. It's just a weird thing. It's like losing all on Sundays. But especially when it comes down to, oh, the Orioles won a baseball game, but I'm really upset they didn't give up five runs so that the yeah. streak couldn't continue. That's dumb. But while it was going on, I think it gave a direction for people to to uh, unleash their frustrations upon in a way that was less disruptive and unhealthy. Like everything's terrible. Look how awful the Orioles are. I can I can wrap it up in this nice little bow of this streak thing, and so now I can do this whimsical baseball thing and still connect with the baseball team instead of going ah they suck. They're crappy. I'm just going to move on and wait till training camp. I, I kind of feel like when the Orioles give you lemons and you choose to like see how many lemons they can give you, that's better than nothing, right? Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. If, you're, if you get this many lemons, let's turn it into lemonade and at least kind of savor it. But I'm not a big fan of lemonade, so... Nor I. I'm just saying it's more healthy than just turning it off. Or, you know, you could just save them for later until when the scurvy hits, but... <laughs> And it might. All right. So uh, me personally, I think that um, as an individual that um, has to watch baseball on a nightly basis because, well, we do a podcast and uh, it's important for us to kind of watch baseball as it is going on. Um, there are a few topics that I wanted to cover that I think the um, majority of Birdland um, 
somewhat got lost in the shuffle with is the best way to regard while they focused on how bad the starting pitching and the rotation was. So this is like a, in case you missed it, this happened in Birdland this week. Yes, exactly. Okay. Uh, kind of a throwback to season one of Bird's Eye View where we recapped every single game and uh, the series because obviously the people that listen to Orioles podcast would never watch, would never watch an Orioles baseball game. To our credit, fewer people were watching in 2011. You're right. There's like 15 or 20 people. All right, so the first one that I want to cover is um, Manny Machado, uh, in my opinion, seems to be rounding back into form. Um, the K percentage has dropped significantly over this past 14 days, and uh, the WOBA is starting to spike again. It's right around 350-ish or so over the past 10 games. Um, certainly some encouraging signs where Manny Machado was absolutely putrid and awful. And some people have pointed out this. You know, we've looked at this before. Manny Machado has been putting a high X velocity on balls throughout the season. I believe we talked about before where he's a top 10 player right now in terms of exit velocity. But the big issue coming into this, and I think Ryan Blake, no, Danny um, Madricks of um, Utah, not Utah Street Report, of uh, Orioles and Sensor pointed this out, saying that Manny Machado was hitting a ton of ground balls lately this season. Um, and it spiked right around, we'll call it May of the season, where he was having about a 55% ground ball rate, which is um, god-awful is the best way to put it. Um, but what we're seeing is Manny Machado's ground ball rate is starting to plummet once again. Um, but more importantly, his line drives are coming up. When the line drives come up, it means that he's going to start getting, again, more extra base hits, and also that proclivity for power is eventually going to come back too. So um, this kind of comes back to pre-StatCast data when we were just looking at line drives, ground balls, and fly balls. Line drives, still a good thing. You know, launch angle is all great and good, but if you hit a line drive, it generally means that you're going to eventually basically break through. And the exciting thing about Manny Machado playing well is that the types, these types of things can be contagious in both directions, sure. right? People playing poorly and people playing well. Also, it's nice to see him get engaged offensively before it's too late, right? Right. We keep talking about, you know, how awful the first, uh, the, these two last months have been, but still a lot of baseball left to play and more Manny Machado doing well. Always a good thing. Yeah, we've talked about it, that it, it felt like someone on the offense had to step up um, at this time to basically get the team back on its shoulders. So Trey Mancini kind of did that at the beginning of the season. Now the question is, who is going to be the next person to basically step up and kind of lead this team um, in, in a more positive direction? And let's be let's be clear, he doesn't have to stop. This isn't Highlander. There, sure. there can be more than one. Right, exactly. But if there is going to be one, then the person needs to go in fuego. I wouldn't say Manny Machado's in fuego, but I like what I'm seeing. And there's some other positive pieces around him, too, in the form of Trey Mancini and Jonathan Scope that are still doing very well offensively, too. But Manny Machado does need to get together and start posting the offensive numbers that we are used to seeing from him if the Orioles have any chance of um, being in a playoff push or just being a halfway decent baseball team down the stretch as well. Sure. So I thought, personally, looking at Manny Machado, there were a few bad plate appearances, but on the whole, I was very pleasantly surprised at what I saw from Manny Machado. It's also interesting because here he is. He's a superstar player. He's, he's you know, all-world talent. And ever since he's been in the league, he's played for a winner. Yeah. Right? And so this is really his first taste of a lack of success. I mean, he probably did play for Bowie, but... <laughs> You mean you mean the Eastern League champion Bowie, uh, Baysox? Not but, when he was there. <laughs> but so you know, I wonder about how this is affecting him. If if 
it's at all related, and it's probably coincidental. Sure. Or, or you could argue that the Orioles tanking also has a lot to do with Manny Machado not leading in charge. But uh, it'll be interesting to see from a growth and maturation process how he handles, you know, failure of his own, and then failure of those around him, and an inability to say, you know, not give up ten runs that night. Sure. Um, point number two that I'd like to make: Kevin Gossman pitched on Wednesday. And in my opinion, he wasn't terrible. He took the loss. That's a high bar, sir. That is a high bar. With the starting pitching the way it's been, you've got to kind of look for it. But again, we came into the season under the impression that Kevin Gossman was going to be part of your one-two punch. Unfortunately, he's been punching us. Right. And in reality, Kevin Gossman has been at best a fist starter. And that's really being nice to him at this point. Um, And people have called him out on this multiple times this season. But I'm looking at his, his... strikeout right for the past two games um against the cardinals this past weekend it was 11.12 case per nine and against the indians it was 14.29 case per nine uh walk rate was 4.76 against the cardinals and it dropped down to 3.18 which is actually much more similar to what he has been in the past for his career so again not superstar but again what you would come to expect from a kevin gossman um but i think what's really interesting is looking at his pitch arsenal He's starting to increase the usage of the splitter again, which is something that I kind of harped on in the previous show. It's up into the mid twenties again, where earlier this year it was in the mid 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 teens. I guess is the best way to describe it. Um, and he's seeing a good whiff rate on the pitch, and that's what I really noticed on Wednesday night. Is he started to sequence that splitter really well, and he was getting a good amount of whiffs, um, especially early in the game. Um, and he seems to be getting confidence back in that pitch and not relying so heavily on his fastball which uh, over his entire career has gotten clocked. If his splitter and or slurve is not working and he's not able to sequence in that end, people are just going to sit on his fastball and just light it up. And unfortunately, on the game in Cleveland, he did give up a home run to Lindor on a fastball. Um, But on the whole, I still look at that and say, okay, he went five and two-thirds innings and he he gave up three earned runs. Sure, I would have liked for him to get deeper into the game, but all things considering... That was a very encouraging start um, against a team at that time with the Cleveland Indians who were red hot. And they were not red hot after they left the Baltimore Orioles. But coming into that series, I was really hoping that the Orioles could just split that series. Um, So I'm not surprised that they just got one out of it as well. But Kevin Gossman showed me something in there that I started think he's starting to get that command um, of his pitch back. And I think it's only a matter of time now before... um, I'm not saying we see the Kevin Gossman at all, but at least we get a serviceable pitcher out there once again. Yeah, and and I think to that last point about a serviceable pitcher, the last two games he's pitched have been 5.2 innings pitched. And remember, I mean, again, keeping that bar, the limbo bar, super low here, when when the bullpen doesn't have to come in and pitch seven innings every night, that makes them more effective. So if Kevin Gossman can be part of that solution by getting you into the sixth at least every night, like, you know, a fifth starter... Unfortunately, that's in the improvement territory. Yeah. And uh, I'm very positive about this. And then, um, well, I saw this tweet from um, MLB Network Radio, um, and it was, um, well, I'm just going to play it. Um, and it's Dan Duquette talking about Kevin Gossman. And I just want to talk about it afterwards, if you don't mind. Well, I saw some good progress the last start, uh, particularly um, he was a freer and easier. He had better vertical movement on his pitches, and I think that was reflected in the nine strikeouts. But, you know, you can't be making mistakes and and be a winning major league pitcher. 
You know, you got to you got to figure out a way to um, you know get get through the innings and 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 manage the order. And Kevin Gosman's at that point in his career where he should be able to do that. And uh, you know, managing the order and and uh, winning with his stuff, you know, are the logical next step. You know, I mean, five and a third innings, he struck out nine. That attests to the fact that he had good stuff. Yeah. But. You know, he got knocked out of the game a little early, and he's using an awful lot of pitches uh, to get an out. So he's not pitching the innings that we're depending on him to pitch in order to um, for the other guys to be able to do their job. And I'm, you know, I'm talking about the bullpen. All right. So Dan makes a lot of very valid points. Is the best way to describe it. Um, but I feel like this is somewhat of a mad lip where I could be easily taking Kevin Gossman out here. And inserted Chris Tillman, Wade Miley, even Dylan Bundy to a certain regard over recent starts. There's nothing here that really shocks me. But uh, the candidness of that interview is yeah. very interesting to me, is is what I wanted to discuss. And I'm glad you pointed there because I was going right there. Those are not the words of, of a GM who's trying to covers players butts you would never hear something like that come out of buck's mouth right that was i mean he wasn't calling out his players so much as he was not defending him he he let kevin gosman's body of work speak for itself right and uh it's interesting that we've gotten to that point there's clearly a lot of frustration in the front office with the way things are going particularly i would bet because this is duquette's legacy right here sure and I understand that to a certain regard, and I understand everyone has been very frustrated about it because they can't figure out what exactly has gone wrong with him. But at the same point, I think it's interesting that um, the blame is only on one pitcher and not the entire starting pitching staff. And maybe it's just because he was probably asked about Gosman. I mean, he was. Like he singled him out. Sure, he was asked about him, but I think it's one of those situations of it, – it's an interesting scenario where he was as candidate as he was um, – but maybe that's good to put a little fire underneath him. Well, I mean, do you think that's okay that he called him out in that regard? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. First first and foremost, because I don't think that that's the kind of thing that affects a player uh, if he happens to hear it. But I'm I'm curious, who are you most disappointed in in the rotation? Like you say that you could you could use any of those names for, for what Duquette said, and I agree with you. But oh, if we're most disappointed, it's Gossman right. because we had the highest hope exactly. for him. Exactly. You, you say that same thing about Tillman, and I don't care. You know, Tillman is, I think, has been an overrated pitcher his entire career. Tillman's been an overrated pitcher to a certain regard, and not to mention coming into the season, especially when he went in the DL, you're less like, oh, like that's not going to be good. Miley's basically giving you what you expect. Gossman has been the ultimate disappointment in terms of what you thought he was going to be coming into the season. I mean. I said, you know, I think one of my predictions at the beginning of the season was he's going to have a Mucina-like uh, season, and um, that certainly has not been the case whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's very disappointing. Um, but I would say that it's not entirely surprising. I mean, I think if I went through and looked at Kevin Gossman's starts through his entire career, I think he probably would average right around six innings pitched. I mean, it's not like he's a player that really gets deep into games, Um and I don't know. It was just an interesting nugget. But I've act like I said, I'm still bullish and pretty positive on Kevin Gosman. Um, I think things are starting to turn around for him. All right. Well, here's my in case you missed it for this past week. Apparently there was a very serious policy change made this week 
with the Baltimore Orioles, and we've got to get to the bottom of it. Is this about like international scouting or something? No. Um, Scott, the Orioles have reversed a longstanding policy in the fact that they are now allowing you, Ooh. Scott Magnus, into the suites at Oriole Park at Cannon Yards. I was under the impression that that was not allowed. Also, it sounds like there was very nearly an international incident during this time. So I was just hoping that we could get some details on both of these developments. All right. So there are a few things. Um, I went to the suites probably for the first time in 10 plus years. Um, not much has changed. I will say that much. Uh, the food is still pretty terrible. Free, but terrible. Um, the beer, equally terrible. Water beer, basically. Somebody gave you crap for not going down to the, the first deck and getting a, a local brew. Yeah, but that guy buys Twitter handles from other people. So, I mean, I, I'm not going to even respond to that. So, I actually did go out because on the we were right behind home plate. Um, and if you walk right out of home plate, Flying Dogs um, Bar is right there. So, I actually popped out a few times. And uh, took my boss over and said, well, if we're going to get good beer, we, we should go get good beer. So I showed him a few ones. So we had Dead Rise, um, Blood Orange Ale, and uh, we had Numero Uno as well, which I think if it was the first time I had Numero Uno. I would probably pass on that in the future. But Blood Orange Ale and um, uh, Dead Rise, highly recommended. They had never had any of these before. So they were like, oh, these are really good. And I'm like, well, support local. Don't drink that swill beer that is in there from Bud Light, Coors Light, and Miller Light. I'll just say, in, at the ballpark in the heat, Numero Uno is fine. And like I said, nice beer, probably not something I'd pay $8 for, but just, just just me. Uh, the big-ish thing that I found was um, I had this for a work function, and uh, we were meeting with a, a global team that had come in from Chicago, um, but those other individuals were coming over from Europe. So some of these individuals had never even seen a baseball field before. Um, so uh, I quickly had to disseminate the entire game of baseball to individuals that had no recollection of what I was talking about. To be clear, though, this podcast is an excellent uh, prep for that because you having to explain the game to me, who has no idea about anything, is it's probably pretty good. Uh, pretty good prep. So uh, a few caveats that I've I've learned. Um, number one, uh, if you scream O and you're the only person that was sweet that screams O, many of the Europeans will look at you because they think there's an international incident occurring. Oh, that's just Scott. That's his way. Number two, um, it, the game of baseball is nothing like cricket. Uh, I've I've learned that from talking to various individuals from this whole aspect, where they kept asking, "Why do they not hit in the stands more and then run around the bases?" And I'm like, "Well, that that's not the way it works." But. I tried desperately to understand cricket in college. It just I couldn't couldn't and, do it. And, and number three. Uh, getting the uh, German uh, representative uh, from my company to um, call Lindor's a home run shot a dong was uh, quite a success on my part. Perhaps a schnitzel? No, he's just like, so that is a dong, right? And I was like, yes, that is a dong. Oh, Lord. (laughs) So I hope he takes that home to his family, and I hope someone calls him out. I'll tell you, one of the best uh, games I went to during... I hope the- he's on East Germany, because that's just going to end up poorly for him. I'm going to leave that uh, where it is. Yes. Uh, uh, on Dan- the other side of the wall? Dated Cold War <laughs> jokes are never, never made here at uh, Bird's Eye View. One of the best games I went to during the Dark Ages, I sat in front of a group from the Netherlands that were like three rows deep. Would and this be the Kingdom of the Netherlands? This was, in fact, the Kingdom of the Netherlands. Kingdom! of the netherlands recent listeners have no idea what we're talking about <laughs> um 
But they uh, they had no idea what was going on. They were terribly drunk, but they were having the best time to the point where, I mean, it was, it was just them and four of us in the section, and they were shaking the, the stands upstairs. They had a blast. We had a blast. So even if they don't understand the game, give those Europeans a chance. They know how to enjoy sports. Well, it was funny because started talking to somebody at work, and then this other guy walked over. And I just assumed that he kind of knew baseball. Uh, and he was one of the individuals that had never heard about baseball before. So I started talking to this other guy at work about some of the stuff that I looked at in terms of like spin rates and stuff like that in terms of pitch FX and going through the whole optic system, which MLB Advanced Media covers. And this guy walks away from the conversation that I'm having with my coworker and says, that guy knows way too much about baseball. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's, it's probably accurate, but... <laughs> everybody's got their faults Yeah, everyone has their faults and their hobbies but um mine happens to be baseball that guy's probably was crack cocaine but way to not get kicked out of the suites but yeah well done we stayed into the end which was very upsetting to me because it was also an hour-long rain delay Ugh. and i really just wanted to go home after the seventh inning because i was just like this game is over i was just like no it's not i'm like this game is over we can go home like it's not that big of a deal but i was carpooling people and hmm Smith Island cake, by the way, in the oil suites, a hundred dollars. What? I know. Ugh. T- definitely wasn't a hundred dollar cake. All right, so that was good, I guess. Smith Island cake, it's good. Moving on, uh, number four. Um, I, I want to go through the aspect of um, June has been a truly horrible month, um, as per Birdland. I mean. It is lucky that the Orioles um, have survived during this apocalyptic standpoint. Um, just a point of perspective, the Orioles have scored 115 runs, and they have allowed 175 during this time. Yikes. Which, as folks love to look at from a run differential standpoint, that would mean the Orioles would be putting up a winning percentage of about 300 baseball during this period of time based off of Pythagorean records. Mm-hmm. But... The Orioles are actually putting up a 417 winning percentage. And in June so far, they have a 10 and 14, 10 and 14 record, which means they're only four games below 500, similar to uh, what it was in May, where they had a 12 and 16 record. And to that, Jake, I say we have four more games left in, in June. I say to you, if we go three and one over these next four games and we finish the month at 13 and 15, then how bad really was it? How bad should we look back on this month and say that was a disastrous season, disaster a month? You're absolutely right. If you look at the run differential and you look at how many runs were given up, absolutely horrible. But the Orioles have managed to salvage and squeak out a few wins here and there. And on all honesty, at the end of the day, who cares about run differential? This comes back to the topic I wanted to talk about. Last year, everyone was focused on the stupid home run record in June. Everyone's just like, oh, we got to get the home run record. And we would lose a game and be like, well, at least we hit three home runs. Who cares? At the end of the day, it comes down to wins and losses. And if the Orioles, you know, do somewhat okay for this month, who cares if their, you know, winning percentage came out to be, you know, 450 and their Pythagorean was 300? As long as they get the wins. It's all that matters. You know, the fact that nobody's running away with the AL East helps. And the fact that the Orioles are still kind of in the thick of things helps. But my question is, how much are we just saying, oh, we've still got time to say, oh, we've still got time? 
And how much of it do you believe that this team can actually turn itself around? Because outside of that one start that you referenced with Gosman, sure, I feel like we haven't seen anything yet that makes me believe, oh, this rotation can turn itself around. We can improve by doing this. If only this were to happen, sure, the rotation might get itself back together and then the offense could pull itself back together and then the bullpen could pull itself back together and we could be a team again. I feel like the the greatness of the despair of the Orioles rotation hasn't even begun to thaw. I mean, it's still ugly, ugly, ugly all the time. And even when they win, you you feel like you're stealing wins. And and you're hmm. right. You're yeah. right. I mean, being four games under 500 for the month is is not a horrible place to be. But again, we're crowing about a 417 record. Yeah. You know? And so I refuse to be a pessimist about it. But at the same time, I also don't want to live on false hope. Sure. Because I did that for 14 years. And I know the difference between talking myself into telling myself the team isn't so bad and the team not being so bad. So I I think we look at it in this fashion is when we came into the season, um, how many good starting pitchers do we we think we had? Well, um, one and a half, probably. Right. So if we get a a decent Dylan Bundy and we get a decent Kevin Gossman, how many good starting pitchers do we have? Yeah, but... When when I said how many good starting pitchers do we have, that's a fine question. When when we went into the season, how many starting pitchers do you think that we were going to have that would just be nuclear every time they went out? Two. Okay, I'm not sure that I thought it was going to be this bad. Yeah, I, I I think that if I looked at it, I said Dylan Bundy was going to be okay mm-hmm. i didn't think it was gonna be good i thought it was gonna be okay because i thought he was gonna post like a 4.5 era because of his fip um i thought kevin gossman was gonna be great i was obviously wrong i thought wade miley was going to be like um you know no whammies no whammies no whammies stop yeah so occasionally he'll post a good game occasionally it'll be oh my god this is horrible um about jimenez is jekyll and hyde mm-hmm. whereas during the cardinals game magnifico um against the rays Holy cow, please get him out of here as quick as possible. Um, and then we're left with Chris Tillman, who is a constant question mark because he looks like he's pitching hurt. Um, I thought we were going to get Chris Tillman back as a three. I thought Wade Miley was going to be a four. And I thought that that between Abaldo Jimenez and Asher and Noah and whoever else they threw out there, that you would have an effective fifth starter in the league, which means five innings. Sometimes he gets torched. Sometimes he doesn't. Yeah. And instead, we've gotten the human torch every every day. I think that's been the biggest thing because we talked about it earlier this season. I believe one of your goods at one point was the Norfolk shuttle. Yep. And the Norfolk shuttle certainly has not been anything to write home about recently where it's kind of a, a, a plethora of, well, we need to throw an arm out there to basically burn through innings and they're going to give up runs, but at least it won't destroy the rest of the team in the process, which I certainly think to a certain regard, there's been a lot of games where that five run limit has been hit mainly because we throw Richard Blyer out there or Miguel Castro or Vidal Nuno. And if the bullpen was intact and wasn't being called on to basically, you know, work the only the eighth and ninth inning, you wouldn't be seeing the Richard Blyers and the Miguel Castros and the Donnie Hartz and the Stefan Crichtons and the Alec Ashers and the Gabriel. And you know, I just named six people that in reality shouldn't be on a major league roster. And if they are, they might be able to sneak by in an inning or two. Right. 
But when you have to throw them out there for eight at, innings a week, right? That's trouble. Absolutely, and that and that's the point that I'm making is, you know, with the return of um, a Darren O'Day or a Zach Britton. I understand what you're saying is like, why do we need to have a closer if it doesn't matter getting to closer? And it still comes back to if you're able to bring in, for example, a Michael Givens in the sixth or seventh inning, that's much more valuable to me um, than the potential to say, well, we're in the eighth inning here. It's a tie baseball game. I guess we'll give Givens, bring Givens in and hope we can pull it on the ninth or extra innings, which doors have shouldn't proclivity to do. But I really like the ability to have that multi-inning relief pitcher that actually is good and not a Richard Blyer or an Alec Asher or a Donnie Harder or a Stephen Crichton. And no offense to those guys. They had some good experiences out there, but eventually it catches up to them very quickly because the scouting reports get out there. And these guys, there's a reason why these guys are picked off the waiver wire because they're not that good. Well, Scotty, I feel like you're trying to use logic. And, uh, and I applaud that. But I think I'm going to put a stop to that. Being a sports fan is, it's an interesting experience. And regardless of how seriously we take our enjoyment of the game of baseball, no matter how tightly we hold on to our logic, no matter how much we otherwise appear to be intelligent human beings, eventually we all, all of us, give in to superstition. We say that a team is doomed or it's cursed. I talked about karma earlier in the show. We say that a player is due, or at least Jim Hunter does all the time. We tell and retell stories about three home runs being hit with the same player's bat. Make no mistake about it. We all buy in to some degree. Why? Why do we do this to ourselves? Well, at a human, li- uh, at a human level, we all want to know what the future holds in store for us. Unfortunately, with the Dark Ages baseball we've had to watch over the last two months, it's been very easy to predict the way that the games will unfold. But rather than simply pessimistically predicting the defeats yet to come, we here at Bird's Eye View have turned instead, well, we'll call it to pseudoscience. We've divined the meaning and purpose of the heavens. We've turned our attention to the stars. That's right. It is time. It is time to read our Orioles horoscopes for this day, June 26th, 2017. Now, let's start with the current astrological sign, uh, which has a local connection as it's represented by the constellation shaped like a crab. So, uh, if your birthday falls between the 21st of June and the 22nd of Jul- of July, you are a Cancer, uh, born under the uh, under the sign of the starting rotation. Ooh. So, uh, if if you are a Cancer, here is your Orioles horoscope for today. A friend or coworker may be the cause of serious frustration today. However, the cause is yet unclear. It may be because he'll give up six runs in the next three innings, or because his pitch count will be elevated to eight in this 80 in the same period. It may be obvious that this person is making the same mistake every fifth day, but you don't want to say anything because the issue is so sensitive. Walking on eggshells is a defensible strategy for a while, but only until he walks in 
the go-ahead run. That could also be called McDowell, but we'll, we'll go up with the starting rotation. Uh, the next, uh, I guess, astrological sign that we're going to be going is under Leo. Uh, and this sign is uh, the Mazzoni, and it's as, as follows uh, for the horoscopes for this one. You are a shell of your former self today, empathizing with people instead of making them better. Your key celestial body, the sun, once so prominent in the southern house, manifests itself only in your memories and dreams. The success that once adorned you left when you left once-in-a-generation talents behind. When a friend asked you to fail by his side, remember the words of Dean Martin, a friend in need is a pest. Next, we'll go to Virgo. Hey, that's me. I'm a Virgo. Are you a Virgo? This is fantastic. Well, Scott, here is your horoscope for today, your Oreos horoscope. And remember, Virgo yeah. is uh, the sign of the seductive Tommy Hunter. Oh, yeah. So here is your astrological uh, uh, horoscope for today. Oh, yeah. An old flame thrower returns to put the boom back in your day. Don't diffuse the tension too quickly. The only way to go all the way is to use the velocity from this round mound of zone pound. Hang on, baby. Things are about to get seductive. Oh, yeah. So are we training for Tommy Hunter? We saw him this week. Yeah. All right, next one goes to uh, a Libra. Uh, this goes from the 23rd of September to the 22nd of October, and this goes under the luxury tax sign. That's an interesting one. I guess that's the closest thing baseball has to a scale of justice. Um, the horoscope goes as follows. You continue to pay dividends out to those less fortunate around you. However, the future is promising if you are able to continue this trend of reduction until 2018. A profitable end awaits you for in the years to come as the judge sentenced the baby-faced assassin to a life in stripes. Woof. You know, I was thinking about it. Um, baseball actually has something else that's akin to the scales of justice, and that would be uh, the beanball game played by mm. the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. Uh, that, that Maybe tomorrow. Maybe your horoscope tomorrow will be that. Um, Scotty, what about Scorpio? I'm not really familiar uh, with this one so much. So Scorpio, um, 23rd of October through the 21st of November, typically within the common astrology, it's represented as a scorpion. But again, these are Orioles horoscopes. So this is under the Norfolk Shuttle. And the reason this is, is because it is an eight-legged creature that snaps off its own tail to survive um, when enemies approach. Um, you strike fear into the hearts of your enemies due to your great tenacity to adapt each and every day. But your enemies now know your dance with them and will strike at you with great tenacity. Prepare to hide for great danger awaits you. I like this. I like this. What about uh, what about Sagittarius? Uh, Sagittarius, 22nd November through the 21st of December, uh, this goes into the Archer. So I guess this is a Fernando Rodney reference. Ooh. Don't stress. You've got this. Of course you've got it right until the end. When things fall hopelessly apart and heartbreak is the only likely result. Seems like uh, the Archer and the Closer, it's a little close to home for yeah. the Orioles there. All right. Well, let's move ahead to uh, Capricorns. And this is your Orioles horoscope for December 22nd to 
January nineteenth babies. My wife is a Ooh. is a Capricorn, and of course, she'll like this one then. As you know, uh, Capricorn is the goat. So when you talk about goat, greatest of all time. There's only one person. It's the sign of uh, Ryan Flaherty. Absolutely. There once was a man from Nantucket. No. Well, that's that's not appropriate for this show. Uh, rhyme of the Ancient Manor. Oh. Mm. Yeah. No. All right. A colleague, will, a colleague will call out sick, and you'll be called upon to fill in to deliver the presentation to the big customer. Invariably, you'll let everyone down, but they'll all heap praise on you just for showing up and making use of your feeble professional skills. Friends and family depend on you, but seemingly only as a last resort. As Saturn begins its traverse at the end of the day, look out defiantly and say, Come on, mother... All right, our next one goes to Aquarius, January 20th to the 18th of February. Actually, this is my wife's as well, so it's... Our wife's pretty much are bumping up against each other. Wait, that came out all wrong. Phrasing. I don't think you should do that. Um, so this is going to go into the Hunsu Kim sign. Um, never gets in the game, and his only purpose is to throw water on walk-offs. He's the water bearer for Aquarius. Ah. Uh, people around you seem more engaged than you are now. Trying to get into a game seems to be like trying to run through a padded wall. However, you may be able to parlay the misfortune of others into opportunities. Lean on a trusted friend to help you express yourself today. Holding on to your position and sinking deeper into your emotions eventually leads you to clarity. All right. I uh, I like it. I like it. Um, let's go into P- Pisces, uh, the, the fish, right? Um, yeah. I'm a Pisces. So this is uh, February 19th to March 20th. Um, Did you know that Pisces was associated with Jesus Christ? Yeah, we are actually in the age of Pisces. You know the song, uh, The Dawning of the Age of Aquarius by yeah. the Fifth Dimension? Yeah. We're actually right now in the age of Pisces. Gotcha. Started in 1 AD, runs through 2150. So Didn't you know, get the memo, but good to know. 1, 1 AD is, is Christ's uh, birth right there, so that's why the fish. Isn't that like, fishers of is it really truly 1 AD? Because like, do they just be like, all right, all these other calendars, we got to burn them. We got to start all over his baby just got born, so we're going to start from scratch. I don't even know what territory we're in now. <laughs> uh, so as we talk about Jesus... <laughs> this is what happens when Tequila gets on the show. No, this is what happens when the Orioles lose. <laughs> uh, so as we talk about Jesus for Pisces, uh, that leads me to the switch hitting Jesus and cleats. Ooh. So this Pisces is the sign of Matt Weeders. Okay. Your entire existence is built on the fact that you are something that you aren't. The sun does not rise as folks had predicted, but soon... The sun may set on your career. Enjoy it while you can. Well, that's just sad. Next, I want to move on to Aries. And Aries is the sign for those of you born between the 21st of March and the 19th of April. Aries, as you know, is the ram. Um, and what do we know about rams? Um, they're, uh, They've got hard heads. Okay, they're courageous. Courageous, yep. They're bold. Yep. Uh, they're a little stubborn. I've also heard they have a nose whistle. <laughs> This is the sign of Buck Showalter. <laughs> You're not sure about your next move because the line between reality and insanity is hard to find these days. Unfortunately, even the simplest issues are entangled with subjective likes and dislikes. Friends who praised you yesterday now want to show you the door. The complexity of this moment will pass. You just need to sleep fast. In the meantime, pursue family endeavors, saving the important decisions until clarity presents itself. Channel your confusion into art. Hmm. Interesting. 
Uh, next one goes to Taurus, 20th of April through the 20th of May. Uh, this is a bull-like creature. So uh, obviously we've got to go with Chris Davis, who has a bull-like mentality. Strong like bull. Your most compelling fantasies seem very realistic today, tempting you to stretch your oblique and try to act on an impossible dream. Ironically, you may be pleasantly surprised to find out what you can no longer do. Know that you are stepping into an unsustainable world where doubt surrounds you like a cheek around chew. Although your unwavering belief might make something special come true, it's a temporary illusion. And in in the internal words of the Oriole Spastics, a trick is something a whore does for money, Michael. Nice. Good work. Uh, Last one is, uh, is Gemini. And these are for folks uh, born between the 21st of May to the 20th of June. And as you know, Gemini, generally the twins. Yeah. And twins. But the closest that we can... No, that's uh, terrible. Never do that again. <laughs> the closest that we can do here... This is why the, you drink shitty beer. <laughs> in the Baltimore <laughs> orbits. The closest that we can get is our, mini, uh, is our middle infielders, Jonathan Scope and Manny Machado. And uh, they actually left us something to share for this day for Orioles horoscopes. It's actually an instruction, a set of instructions for their post-home run celebrations. Listen in. That was a little bit of a lie. This is an awesome song. If you've never heard it, we got rid of deep cuts, but hand clapping song by the meters, highly recommended. So uh, those are your horoscopes, your Orioles horoscopes for today, June 26, 2017. Uh, Birdland, if you're still listening, tell us what your Orioles horoscopes are, or even better, while the games are being played, if your Orioles horoscope is unfolding, be sure to tell us on Twitter. We're at BirdseyeViewBAL, and you can let us know with hashtag Orioles Horoscopes. With that, let's find out who is the boss this week. Well, when it comes to popping a natural finger popping, baby, you sure do swing. And when it comes to popping in a natural finger popping, daddy, you are the king. Can I tell you something? Sure. Brian Setzer and Gwen Stefani sound terrible. But in the middle of the night, when the moon is shining right, you're the boss. Yes, I'm the boss, Jake, this week. That's Laverne Baker and Jimmy Ricks, who's going to be my, uh, my you're the boss thing for this year. From 1963, the original of You're the Boss. All right, for all of you listening at home who who are not familiar with Fantasy Boss, you can tell right up front who won. Uh, I always go with Brian Setzer, Gwen Stefani uh, tune. A weak cover at best, but... <sighs> last last year you went with Elvis, I right? went with Elvis, and I also think I went with a B.B. King as well last year too. So, But Elvis was my go-to for a while. Um, I believe it actually was the 40th anniversary of Elvis's last concert today too, just as a... Uh, Quick musical infographics, well, for you. So, but anyway, we're going to go back to Paul the, McCartney's 74th birthday was this past. Yeah, week. we're going to go with original music right now because, as Jake was so terrible at deep cuts and covers, 
we decided just to keep it nice and simple and just um, go with original music going forward. So uh, remind me, what the heck did we bet on for Fantasy Boss? So we last asked week? which starting pitching would go deeper into a game in this past week. Mm. So Miley won five innings on 6-22. Bundy went at four and a third on 6-19. But Bundy came back later in the week on 6-24 and went seven innings pitched. All right. So here's my question. If on average, which one wins? Yeah. I, I, on average, I would still win. I went five and two thirds. Okay. I, I will take that as an answer. I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm adding this up in my head going, no, 11.1. That's not fair. Now, so Jake, if uh, there's two starts uh-huh. and your guy went five, that means that my guy would have to go more than 10 innings pitched for the average to be higher. So seven, four. Yeah, I think that works out. Yeah, 11.1. All right. So, so Scott takes this week. Uh, and Jake, you get to pick the category for this week to try to tie it back up. Well, I'm going to go to the offense because okay. we did pitching last week, and I just want—I want to do something fun, Ooh. and I want to do something fun that that everybody can play. I want everybody at home to play. So, Scott, I'm going to give it—I'm going to give you the final choice here. I know it's unconventional. I know. Do you want to do uh, RBIs with runners in scoring position? Okay. Or do you want to do dongs? Of course we want to do dongs. All right. It's a dong fest this week. The category is dongs, sir. Who you got? I'm going to go with the individual that I said was heating up earlier. I'm going to go with Manny Machado. It's a really good choice. That is a really good choice. The one I wanted, in fact. But because I can't have him, I'm going to go chalk. I'm going to take Boom Boom Mancini. That's what I was expecting you to go with a little Boom Boom. All right. So we're going with dongs. Um we will have to pay royalties to Jeremy Kahn this week, but that's all right. Um, and we will see what transpire. I will go with Manny Machado. You're going to go with Boom Boom Mancini. And I'll tell you what, if it becomes a tie, let's pick some RBIs as our tiebreaker. All right. Uh, with runners in scoring position or just total? Sure. RBIs in running with well, that, runners in scoring position. That might not actually happen. Let's just go total. Total RBIs. Fine. Pick your number. But pick who you're going with, Jake. Uh, does it have to be one of those two guys or can I pick anybody? Nope. You can pick anybody. Jonesy. All right, and I'm going to go with Johnny Baseball for my guy, for my tiebreaker. It's a good pick. Uh, point of order for Fantasy Boss. Yes. Uh, you you surprised me and Derek Arnold, yes. uh, our Fantasy Boss resident fan, uh, with Fantasy Boss last week. So are we going to let this ride a little bit before wandering back into wild cards, or are, have we cast wild cards aside? If wild cards are ever brought up again, my contract becomes null and void. <laughs> fair enough <laughs> i'll tell you what the moment wild cards comes up i'm immediately pulling deep cuts back into the arsenal okay <laughs> oh dear god all bird's eye view listeners cringe and well, i thought it was a great concept i'm just terrible at it yes exactly oh well you know what was also good bad and ugly this week well let's go find out That's right, folks. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, I'm going to go off and start this week. Um, my good for the week is going to go to it's going to go to Johnny Baseball, and Johnny Baseball has been uh, on fire this past week, uh, posting a 188 weighted runs created plus, a 433 on base percentage, 
but still some really clutch home runs in the process too. Jonathan Scope is um, probably the best player right now offensively for the Baltimore Orioles and probably for the first half of the season as well. If second base wasn't such a powerhouse right now in the AL, Jonathan Scope would certainly be getting some consideration, in my opinion, for an all-star game nod. But second base is a powerhouse right now in the AL, and he's not going to get it. Can you imagine how much fun this would be if the team was good? Like, yeah. seriously, if if Jonathan Scope had turned in this season, like, last year? If? Mm. When? <laughs> when this team is good. Okay. Uh, for my good, I'm going to go... If, this one's easy, Scotty. Sure. I'm going to go with Chris Tillman. Okay. All right, Chris Tillman... 8.2 innings pitched and oh wait hang on a sec wait i mean yeah, oh carry, oh that's carry the two that's two games 8.2 oh, yeah. innings pitched over yikes okay well scratch that <sighs> you took scope so i guess i'll go with mancini um 204 rated runs created plus a so four four eighty woba and a 444 babip and that's just this week but if you take it back a complete month sure a full 30 days He's been very impressive. 172 weighted runs created plus. But here's the thing that's interesting about this particular week. Sure. Even as well as he's been doing over that 30 days, his 30-day K rate is 26%. What? 26%? That's terrible. And he's brought it down. That's Chris Davis levels. He's brought it down to 17% this week. Oh, that's nice. So, you know, it's nice to see that in certain areas he may be improving in ways that make him a complete player. Scotty... Is it possible that this kid is for the reels? Um, are we talking about, is he for the reels in terms of the 17% K rate? Or are we talking about like he's improving in that regard? Or I'm asking, is it possible that Trey Mancini could be an everyday player in Major League Baseball? Yes, Trey Mancini could be an everyday player in Major League Baseball. No question about it. But the question is, is he as good as he is currently right now? And, you know, he definitely has shown a proclivity to change batting approaches and stances and stuff like that to basically get it. But I will warn people always about Trey Mancini is, yes, he's put up some really decent numbers for this first half of the season. But so did Jimmy Paredes as well during mm-hmm. one half, the first half of the season, which always comes back to my main concern, which is small sample size, sample size. It's a small sample size. I just want to let that go. I really enjoy this. Um, I think that my expectations for Mancini were so low. (laughs) Him being an everyday player exceeds that expectation. Yeah, and I also come back to, and I'll give him credit on too. Like, if I look at Jimmy Paredes versus a Trey Mancini. Swing and Jimmy, please. Swing and Jimmy, um was a completely different player than a Trey Mancini. I do really liked what I see from Trey Mancini. Um, and I do think he could be an everyday player. It's a question of where does he play as an everyday player? Right now he can play first base, but when Chris Davis comes back and Mark Trumbo is here, do you stick him back in the, back in the outfield? Because if so, it's a dangerous game to play long-term. It's, Would you say it's a wicked game? No, just a dangerous game. All right, um, let's go to bad. Um, so my bad for the week is actually going to go to uh, Mark Trumbo, who... Um, <sighs> 17 weight of runs created plus, 233 on base percentage, 204 Woba. Um, what can you say besides with Chris Davis going out, you were hardly hoping that Mark Trumbull would be able to pick up some of the slack for Chris Davis, and uh, that certainly has not been the case whatsoever. Mark Trumbo is bad right now, um, and um, yeah, we're going to hope that he comes back and rebounds, but this is, was the cautionary tale that a lot of people threw out about Mark Trumbo as 
career year last year, but in previous years prior to that, not so great. So we're in, not, in one of those not so great years. My bad this week is J.J. Hardy. Yeah. Really? No. And it has nothing to do with him getting hurt. J.J. Hardy is bad this week because I don't miss him with the likes of Paul Janish and Ruben Tejada. And that hurts my heart. That's bad. I want to miss you, J.J. Hardy. I just want to love you. Please. When you come back, come back to us. Come back to us, please. He'll be back, Jake. He'll be back, and eventually you'll have that all the old man here that basically still makes you feel like a young man. I've only got Darren O'Day left. All right, so my bad. It has to go to Chris Tillman, and I know you covered during the good. He was absolutely horrible. Um, and and more so the aspect of the games that he has come and start, he basically has put the game out of reach, has put a toll on the bullpen, has forced the Norfolk shutter to basically go up and down, up and down, up and down, and up and down. Um, but more importantly, I think for me is um, has a negative 0.75 um, win probability added coming into games, which is exactly what you don't want to have. Abaldo Jimenez during this similar streak was negative 0.49. When you're worse than Abaldo Jimenez, um, serious questions need to be raised. It gets to the point of um, if you had to choose between Abaldo Jimenez and Chris Tillman, um, again, who is the person going to be? We talked about this before. Um I would almost be curious if Zach Burton did not come back, I would be curious to see could Chris Tillman cut it in the bullpen and potentially be a long arm. Let me ask you this. Sure. What are the chances? Sure. That Jim Palmer comes out of retirement. Zero. I got nothing. Yeah. All right. My ugly for this week is long bathroom breaks. Okay. Now, you know me. I'm uh, I'm a radio listener these days. I listened to a game this week in which Joe Angel, a national treasure, was paired with Dave Johnson in the booth. And when that happens, I have the and, and I'm not singling out Dave Johnson. When when Joe Angel is paired with a I'll, I'll call it a, a weaker companion, um, Joe does the entire play by play for the game, which I which I like. I prefer. Um, Except for the start of one of the innings on, I think it was Thursday night, I jumped in the car, was listening to the game, the game came back from commercial, and Dave Johnson was calling play-by-play for the Baltimore Orioles. And I thought to myself, oh my god, I've I've entered one of the multiverses Scott brought up a couple weeks ago. This can't be happening. And then mid-at-bat, the first uh, batter... Back comes Joe Angel. And I thought, that's weird. Oh, oh, that's a long bathroom break. So my ugly for this week is long bathroom breaks. When your long bathroom breaks give me play-by-play by Dave Johnson, that's not bad. That is ugly. Either that or Joe Angel was giving a talking to Tiny Tim Jones. It's always a possibility. <laughs> All right, Jake. Um, I don't have a blowing the save this week. Do you got one this week? I absolutely do. All right, let me play some music and then we can get you started with this. Scotty, I do have a blowing the save this week and I I just jotted something down to remind myself what it was about. I'm very scared. I see the note and And it's very scary. The note reads as follows. Visual temptations. 
Is this seductive Tommy Hunter? Oh, no. No. This is actually a little bit of a coda to my ugly. Keep mentioning being a radio listener. Uh, you know, I, I've been listening to the radio now for two seasons because I cut the cord. And part of the reason that I cut the cord is I've been saving up to buy this house. Uh, we bought the house last week, and we haven't moved in yet. We're kind of homeless right now because uh, we're having floors put in, uh, new floors. And so... That's not true. You're living with your mom, okay? No, I'm living in my mom's house while she's on vacation. <laughs> I'm the Professor Slughorn of of Abingdon right now. Um, but so we're, we're not... Or Sirius we're, Black. We're not in our house, and um, we're waiting... But the place that we're staying, my my mother's house, has cable. Mm. And so I haven't had television in like two years. Yeah. And so last night I was exhausted. I've been moving all week and on all this logistics and late nights and stuff. So I couldn't sleep. And I just, I found myself with visual temptations. And uh, I found myself watching, flipping back and forth between two things. One was a James Bond movie marathon. Mm-hmm. HGTV? Uh, I forget what channel it was on. Or MGM TV. But, yeah. but it, it dipped down into the Roger Moore era. Oh, yeah. And then I was bored enough with that that I was also flipping back to uh, Transformers 4. Oh, that's a bad choice. Right which there. I was watching only because I was, I was kind of hate watching it at yeah. that point. But it got me to thinking. I am capable of watching really terrible TV. And it, it made me afraid that i would pass that along to my children scott do you realize that i'm gonna have the visual temptation of showing my kids baltimore orioles games i'm not sure if i want to do that to a child not this season Mm. not this year i get what you're saying and i understand what you're saying about i had to had to have a long sit down conversation with my children this past week i said kids the Orioles may be a bad baseball team. And they said, what? And I said, they may be a bad baseball team and um, they may not win this season. And my kids said, that doesn't make sense. They always win. And I said, oh, young children who haven't seen darker times. But these these games on the television, that's not safe for work. You, that is obscene visuals. And I'm just, I'm not sure I can do that. Can I ask you a question? Mm. So you're in your mom's house, right? So um, how many other visual temptations have you seen in that house um, while growing up? Well, um, I'm going to leave it at Roger Moore and robots and let you fill in the blanks. Okay, so we're going to call it seven, maybe 007. (laughs) (laughs) And that, I am quite sure, is our show. Remember that you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at Bird's Eye View Baltimore. Dot com. Bird's Eye View is a proud member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. You can find this show on baltimoresportsreport.com slash network and also on baseballtalkradio.com, the home of great baseball talk. Bird's Eye View is available on iTunes, Stitchers, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. Sorry, you've got 007 robots in my head. We'd appreciate a rating and review. It helps establish what we call a social proof about the show and encourages new listeners to check it out. Please engage with us on social media because we can't have the fembots on there alone. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Google Plus, and Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter. We retweet at Bird's Eye View, B-L-B-A-L. And tomorrow is another day, but go ahead, Jake. When the Orioles are terrible, our show falls <laughs> apart. With that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond 
Adieu, adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there, and let's go O's. So I was really listening to this really cool thing on NPR. I'll talk to you about it after the show. But there was a Project Goldfinger back in the day during the Nixon administration. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.